Welcome to Constantinople, great conversations in a great city. I'm your host, Megan Muller. Today I'm joined by Kate Gilbert. Hello. Dr. Tim Bartell. Hello. And David Gilbert. Hello. Uh, we are here today to sort of uh, recap uh, some reflections on the school's recent uh, vision conference, 2022. It was the first annual conference hosted by the St. Constantine School and St. Constantine College. Um, it was a, an amazing weekend where um, people who care about education, uh, home educators, private school educators, public school educators, administrators, um, from uh, many walks of uh, Christian life got together to talk about, uh, well, our theme was establish and endure. And so we were talking about uh, how to know what to build things on, what should the foundation be, and then how to make sure that those things that you built are built to last. Um, does anybody else have anything they want to add about that before we get started? It was very enjoyable both to be there as a speaker <laughs> and a listener. I listened to most of the speakers talk uh, all the time because I work with them, and I still loved it, and I mm -hmm. still learned from it. I would echo that, and I would say that I planned the talks I went to in the breakouts based on the ones that were being recorded, and I went to the ones that weren't being recorded so that I could get all of them eventually. Well, I will pay you both later uh, after the <laughs> podcast for saying that. Um, I listen to them every night while I sleep. Okay, I don't actually do that. <laughs> Hypno, what's that called? It's in a rave new world. Hypnopedia, is that what it's called? Mm. Where you listen to things in your sleep? Anyway, don't do that. I think that's <laughs> wrong, probably. Um, so what we were going to do today, um, one of the things that we did at the conference was um, before every uh, keynote session, um, somebody got up and read a pensée, um, uh, a meditation. They're all pulled from texts, many of which are taught at our school, but I'm sure at many, many schools. Um, and before the opening session of the conference, we read a compilation um, as the first say. Um, and so we are going to read that for you now and then talk about it, um, its relevance to the theme of the conference, and then just any other connections. Um, when this was read at the conference, there was nothing else attached to it. Um, there was no discussion of it. We didn't have a panel about it. So this is sort of our chance to um, dig deep plumb the depths of uh, how these um, the authors that we are about to read to all of you are in conversation about maybe um, some themes in common. So uh, this is a series of excerpts. We'll go over what texts they're from later. Um, so uh, listen and enjoy. The lot of man is ceaseless labor or ceaseless idleness, which is still harder or irregular labor, which is not pleasant. I have trodden the winepress alone, and I know that it is hard to be really useful, resigning the things that men count for happiness, seeking the good deeds that lead to obscurity, accepting with equal face those that bring ignominy, the applause of all or the love of none. All men are ready to invest their money, but most expect dividends. I say to you, make perfect your will. I say, take no thought of the harvest, but only of proper sowing. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on stony places, 
where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Her full nature, like that river of which Cyrus broke the strength, spent itself in channels which had no great name on earth. But the effect of her being on those around her was incalculably diffusive, for the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts, and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all For all these, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Shasta's heart fainted at these words, for he felt he had no strength left. And he writhed inside at what seemed the cruelty and unfairness of the demand. He had not yet learned that if you do one good deed, your reward usually is to be set to do another and harder and better one. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in for what it is for us. I'm going to start that over. Mm-hmm. It is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the sucker of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Thanks, everybody. First thoughts? There are a couple of passages that were chosen here that I just love particularly um, for reasons actually related to the school. So um, on our high school retreat every year, 
our dean of student life gives a charge to the students, but the students are divided into four houses. And the charge that goes to my house, the house of St. Anne, um, ends in take no thought of the harvest, but only of proper sowing. And um, I've always loved those lines, but now it's become particularly dear. And that, of course, not of course, you may not know. That's Those are lines from Choruses of the mm-hmm. Rock by T.S. Eliot. Um, Choruses from the Rock is, of course, a part of a bigger thing. Does anybody want to talk about what the bigger thing is? The Rock? <laughs> it's a poem written by T.S. Eliot, a dramatic poem. It's for the Canterbury Festival, where they would invite uh, writers like T.S. Eliot W.H. Auden, Charles Williams, and others. I think Dorothy Sayers um, also mm. contributed plays. Um, over many years, they would have a, a festival in Canterbury. And so The Rock is the rock is actually massive. But it's kind of hard to find the whole thing of it. But the choruses mm. from The Rock um, are kind of always at the back of an Eliot uh, poetry <laughs> collection. But they're lovely. And um, the, the themes of building a church... Um, and uh, labor and the difficulty of labor and the plight of workers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a complex poem that doesn't get enough, um, that doesn't get enough attention, I think, in Eliot studies. Uh, I love the, there's a Middlemarch quotation mm-hmm. that Tim read. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. We have it on our house, in our, in our house framed. And um, I, I, think it's, I think it's a beautiful um, correction to a desire for, fame or greatness. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the novel that's middle March. Um, but it's, it's a good reminder for your life. Um, there's a film called a hidden life by Terrence Malick. That is excellent. Um, and I, I think about, I think about this quotation all the time mm-hmm. that, you know, the unheroic deeds that are faithful and good are, um, are the, that's the good life. That's the, the benefit and what you're receiving right now that is good is because of the unhistoric lives that people have done Mm -hmm. that live by. I feel like woven throughout many of these quotations is this sort of dual theme of, you know, our work is the work that is set before us and our job in it is to do it well, regardless of, and this is where I think the dual theme comes in either the results, right? We, we can't control what comes in. The, we can't control the weather that those who after us have, or regardless of what fame or not it will bring us. Um, both of which are just very important to teachers, right? Like <laughs> if you're doing your work either for fame or to control the outcome of another human being, you're, you're not going to be successful in either. Any work that you do, you want recognition for. And any work that you do, you want results. Yeah, you want results. Mm-hmm. You want it to be, mm-hmm. you want to be reliable and you want to be good. And yeah. There's something interesting going on with these quotations. Um, I asked our faculty to supply these actually. So I sent out sort of like a general call mm-hmm. over email before the conference and said, hey, this is the theme of the conference. Like, are there texts from uh, particular uh from many disciplines, I asked for them from all over the place. Are there texts that you think speak to this especially? Are there quotations that you can point me to? And um, when I put together this particular little set of quotations, um, the the quotation from Middlemarch is it compares um, the strength 
of a life's effort to a river, Mm -hmm. um, which has power and movement. Um, and she spends it in channels that are not, you know, famous. Like it makes little, Mm. little rivers is not a big, powerful river. It, it, it has the energy of a little big, powerful river, but it like moves in a lot of small ways. Um, which is very different than the final quotation, which is of course the words of Christ, um, from the gospel of St. Luke, um, where the water is the bad guy, right? The stream comes to wash away what Mm -hmm. is built on a foundation of a rock. Um, and it cannot, uh, so I just, I just, I, it was one of those things that when I put them together, I was like, huh, I would love to talk about this with somebody sometime. Like it, it, they're both, they're, they're talking about the same kind of thing, I think, but the fact that they're holding up as sort of, well, as, as opposites, like one is you are the river and the other is you are the house and either you have a foundation or you don't. Hmm. I think, I don't know how many of our listeners would be familiar with Middlemarch, um, but for those who aren't, uh, the main character in Middlemarch is a woman named Dorothea Brooke who wonders mm. what it means to live a, a worthy life. A brook is a little river. Yeah, right. I know. I yeah. Right. yeah. I never really thought about that. <laughs> um, and that, that's her, that's, she wants to live a great life. She wants, she wants to, and a great life for God. Like she's very pious. It's not her personal fame she's after, but she wants Importance, And of course, for an upper class Victorian woman, that's actually quite hard to find. She's meant to be fairly ornamental. <laughs> and so over the course of 800 pages, um, she seeks out what this means. And this is the very last um, words of the book, um, which I think indicate to us that she found what she was looking for. She was incredibly influential and important but not in the way that any of us think of ahead of time, right? When you spend your life into little tiny streams, you don't have the power of the rushing river. You don't make an impact of knocking a house down that everyone will notice, right? Um, Each person has been touched by just a little bit of water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the monomania of greatness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the, like, ethical cause and effect theme that's going on because... With Elliot, we have uh, seeking the good deeds that mm. lead to obscurity, accepting with equal face those that bring ignominy, the applause of all or the love of none. But I think especially the good deeds that lead to obscurity and those that bring ignominy. So it's not like, well, maybe you won't be recognized for your good, but you should do good anyway. No, mm. doing good leads to ignominy and obscurity. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, with, with the C.S. Lewis quote from Horse and His Boy that we haven't mentioned yet, Lewis is focusing on um, if you do one good deed, your reward is usually set to do another and harder and better one, mm. which is an interesting, um, it's not an inversion, but it's a yeah, maybe no one will see you because mm-hmm. you're doing good. And also, maybe they'll ask you to do something even harder. Yeah. Um, it seems like doing good is a real bummer <laughs> if, it, if from a certain perspective in, in, these, uh, in these writings. Right. And, yeah. if you, if you can, and if you can yeah. imagine that those good deeds are sacrifices in some ways, yeah. then it's even more of a sacrifice, even more of a sacrifice and yeah. even less recognition. Mm. Though, though I, I'm, I'm encouraged by the Lord of the Rings quotation, and I remember at the, at the mm. conference we also read the Willa Cather, um, which isn't in here. Both the Lord of the Rings and the Willa Cather quotations are about establishing something that others will, that others will inherit and 
thinking of that inheritance. I want to do something good for those that will live when I'm, mm. when I'm gone. Yeah, that, that quotations from death comes from the Archbishop, which is just a luminous novel by Willa Cather. And I think the, the main character, he's a priest, and it's something like, uh, he says something about, like, we're building for the future and we best not lay a stone unless that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no point in starting this project if we're not doing it for the people who come after us because we aren't going to live to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so if we're just doing things for ourselves, mm-hmm. you might as well just not. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that I think that idea is reflected in all, most of these uh, quotations. I don't know if it's everyone, but it is for the other people. It's for the benefit of other people. Um, Dorothea's effect is incalculably diffusive, mm-hmm. and the the so oh oh the um, now she's like light. She's not just water. Right. Diffusive like light. Like it's mm-hmm. it's touching everything and it's everywhere and you can't calculate where it is and how much of it is there. The the seeds that fell on good ground yielded 30, 60. Mm-hmm. It's it is. There is a benefit that mm-hmm. or, or a concern for others. Mm-hmm. And the right way seems to be not looking after the the recognition or the the end of the of the deed that is i don't know pat on the back or something yeah mm-hmm. that's that's good thinking about being a teacher because i'm a teacher um this is good in general but if you're a teacher taking the thought of the harvest but only of the proper sowing what you were just talking about david and then that parable of the sower from the gospel of saint matthew um you can't go you kid seem like a bad kid Mm. so you don't get any of my attention Mm. i'm only going to sow where i think i have a guarantee of harvest Mm. it's Mm. not take no thought of the harvest like put the seeds everywhere Mm. don't just put them in the fertile ground you have Mm. to put them in every spot because you are not going to be around to know what their impact is Mm. so you may think you put it where the thorns will choke it but if you sow it correctly you've done all you can do and perhaps that ground is more fertile than you realized. I think that's that. Yeah. Some of it yields a crop, sometimes 100-fold, sometimes 60, sometimes 30. Like, fertile ground? How fertile? We don't know how great yeah. it's going to be. You also don't know how bad it's going to be. So mm-hmm. you just have to not consider the harvest. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do your job right. It's not don't think about the future at all, because mm-hmm. then the Cather quotation wouldn't make sense. It's don't try to save your efforts for where you think you have the most guaranteed output. You have to do your best every time. Well, that makes me tired. This, (laughs) this is the Lord of the ring quotation too, I think. Right. Um, we have Tolkien saying our job is to uproot the evil in the fields that we know Mm -hmm. so that those who live after may have clean earth to till what weather they shall have is not ours to rule. And they'll sow it too. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's you just you have the hardest part. Yeah. You have to uproot the bad weeds and stuff. Mm-hmm. That You don't get any real reward for that, but in, in this case, clean earth for other people. But then those people still don't have the guarantee because the weather will impact their work. Yeah, and they'll do the sowing. You don't even get to be a sower in the <laughs> Tolkien quotation. Yeah, I like how like the uh, the elements are all touched on here. We have the light of diffusion, we have the earth with planting, we have the the underground rivers, we have Dorothea Brook, we have the floods. Um the maybe, tides of the world. Yeah, the tides. I, I'm I'm looking for air. 
maybe we can find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if if light can be fire, then I think we've we've hit on most yes. of the elements. Um, so this this makes me uh, think about we, we've been thinking in the college um, about this uh, about this poem from um, Robert Frost, which ends only where love and need are one and the work is play for mortal stakes is the deed ever really done for heaven and the future's sakes. Um, Can you read that again? Yeah, yeah. Only where love and need are one and the work is play for mortal stakes is the deed ever really done for heaven and the future's sakes. I think that um, love and need connect to the Tolkien quote really well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we see there's evil in this field. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else needs to be done, but I can I can uproot this here. I don't know how the field's going to do afterwards. Um, and I, I think of I think of the the events of Middlemarch. Dorothea sees a person who's hurting and a hurt person who's going to make a bad decision and goes and says, "Hey." It's hard to make a good decision. Make a good decision. And it's the, it's the most beautiful. I, I won't say a lot about it. You need to go read this book. 886 pages. Um, it's 830. Bangers only, though. Oh. It all hits. <laughs> the version I read was 886. I counted every page. Um, but yeah, that, that um, the, where love and need are one. Um, and I think that, yeah, love, love leads to obscurity. Um, Maybe partly because love is always of a particular thing, mm-hmm. right? If if you love humanity, often that leads you to hate your fellow man. Um, but to love that person right there that's hurting, to help that field, not have a have a social scheme for helping all fields of the mm-hmm. world. The field that you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's hard because we get we get bored or we get tired. You're like, well, but I'm always tilling this field. It's it's your field. These weeds keep growing back. (laughs) There's a a reversal of, like, inclination there. And I think actually all of these have a reversal of inclination of either where where your desire would go or where you naturally think the goodness would be. You naturally think the goodness is going to be spread out with, like, grand, great deeds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's it's small deeds. It's like faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And... So the I think the only quotation we haven't talked about yet um, is that passage from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians where he's talking mm-hmm. about forgetting what lies behind and mm-hmm. straining forward Ooh. to what lies ahead, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It goes well with the quote that came right before. The quotation before it is, of course, Shasta racing mm-hmm. on his horse to try to stop Rabidash mm-hmm. from uh, storming King Loon's castle, I'm pretty sure is what's going on. And he's like maybe the he's like running it's horrible like that whole book yeah. everyone's running everywhere they're all yeah. everything's urgent yeah. everyone's yeah. carrying messages they're so tired Shasta is so tired <laughs> and that's why it's like oh his heart fainted at the words he has no strength left and then it's the you did a thing you have to go do another thing there's an interesting that and then also the straining forward for the prize um mm-hmm. looking uh, uh uh looking the upward call of god um there's the you are considering the future. Your love motivates you to not dwell on the past. You must think about the future. You're trying to fix things that are coming in the future. Shasta's trying to prevent a you know an ambush. Um, Saint Paul is thinking about what lies ahead, and that's what makes him not just rest on his laurels. But it's not a bad thinking about the future. The way that mm. 
worrying about the harvest. Like we've talked Mm -hmm. about that component of looking into the future and choosing what to do. This seems like it's different, but it's still looking ahead. I wonder if the we actually there's one other passage we haven't talked about, which I think is the widow's mite. Oh, Um, and I wonder if this sort of connects those ideas of here we have two people or two sorts of people giving away the same thing. They're giving away their money, mm-hmm. and she is giving away so little as it should be. It should have no impact, um, but she's doing it anyways, and it's important that she is doing it for her. Um, and so there's a sort of like acting, even though the thing itself feels insignificant to anyone else that is lauded as a great sacrifice in the eyes of the Lord. Um, And in order to act in that way, you have to believe that there is something coming or there's there, you are doing something um, or that it's important that you're doing something. Um, And, and yet to give away so little, you couldn't possibly be thinking too much about the results. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like putting your hand forward, but keeping it open, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if you say, I'm planning this because I know I'll get four stocks uh, during 2020 when all of us did. <laughs> the great uh, gardening did, saga. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I planted a crop of corn. <laughs> How'd that go? It, it, it grew so quickly and beautifully. I remember sitting out there with my corn stalks <laughs> and like the corn, the corn, uh, it, was, it was, they were measly corn cobs, but I got a lot, I got a lot of kernels from them. I dried them carefully. I was looking so forward to, you know, grinding them up and making cornmeal. Huh. And uh, I, I had to let them dry for a couple months. And when I opened up my Tupperware they had dried in, they were all moldy. Yeah. I had done <laughs> all like, that work and I got exactly nothing for it. <laughs> oh, if no. I had planted those being like, the only reason to plant these mm-hmm. is because I will make cornmeal and eat it. Um, I would have been terribly disappointed. But I just, I loved getting to know my corn plants. I'm impressed that you did that. And yeah, that it was fun. Figured I, that out. I also planted beans and squash. Guess which grew most? Squash. The squash. There was too much <laughs> zucchini. Um, but I couldn't have predicted that. Well, uh, I my friends who garden say, yes, you always get too much zucchini. Um, Except when the squash vine borers come and eat all of it from the inside. Oh, Sorry, bitter gardener here. Yeah. Well, so I'm, it's, it's that you can't count you on can't, any yeah. particular yeah. thing, but you got to plant. And I wonder, I, I keep thinking, what is proper sowing? Mm-hmm. Um, because it seems like it's not um, putting it only on the ground that will give the highest yield. We talked about that seems like folly because you can't know. You don't know what fertile soil is. Um, but it, it's not not planting. Mm-hmm. It's some, it's this, uh, I don't know how to go all Kierkegaard on it, but it's, it's giving the best and knowing that maybe you'll never have it, but counting on God's promises as well. But what does God promise? Well, that we'll be okay, but that also might mean martyrdom and death. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard. I think this is about faith, guys, and I think faith is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's going on. I think it's, so the widow's might is something that you just said to made me think of this. The widow's might is a lot because to her it's a lot. Like yeah. it's not a lot to anybody, to anybody else. else, but it's, 
she's giving all she has. And anytime anyone gives all they have for mm-hmm. that person, it means a mm-hmm. great thing has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, a significant thing has happened, right? Mm-hmm. A weighty thing. And the sewing is like that too. I have felt this as someone who's sewed plants before you have your seeds and especially at this time, the seeds are the best crop. You save the best of the crop because you want all the future crops to be like that seed. So the seeds are, you did not eat the best that you got last harvest. Mm -hmm. You saved it. Mm -hmm. And then you have your beautiful seeds and your whole life counts on them Mm -hmm. and your, you know, your livelihood and your family's livelihood. And so you go out there and you sow them. And so this challenge of take no thought of the harvest, but only the proper sowing, it really does cost you everything. Mm -hmm. Like you're putting Mm -hmm. all you've got you have to do your best sowing. How deep do they go? How much soil do you put over the top? What's the watering situation going to be when you sow them? Um, did you need to like, uh, what's this called? Scarcifying them when you make them really cold so that they'll actually bloom. Some plants need that. You know, th- there's all kinds of things that go into proper sowing and you're taking, it is the best that you can offer and you're giving it to the ground that does not guarantee you anything in return. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone took out the weeds for you, like Gandalf says in the Tolkien quote. And the weather is going to come get you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking of my sister, who is a uh, a fantastic, dedicated gardener who doesn't like vegetables. So she doesn't eat. They're cruel. Oh, she doesn't doesn't enjoy eating. She doesn't enjoy eating. Oh, I see. So she's very dedicated to the vegetables. (laughs) Yeah, to the flourishing of plants, the product of which she doesn't like. Um, and so I keep thinking like her entire dedication to gardening is sort of like pure in that there's no, <laughs> no product, thought of the harvest, no thought of the harvest because she doesn't <laughs> care, the, the but she'll very carefully cultivate a jalapeno pepper that she has no intention of eating. Um, she'll give it away. And so I almost wonder if like, is that the call here of like, we will be the most careful gardeners, whether or not we get any fruit out of it. It's a great question. Yeah, there, there's the, the story about monasteries during Lent. They don't kill all the chickens. They don't <laughs> stop collecting the uh, eggs. Yeah. Um, they keep collecting the eggs. They can't eat the eggs because the monks are fasting. Mm-hmm. And so they give, a, give all the eggs away during Lent to the community. Um, they, they're still doing the work. They're getting none of the benefit. Mm-hmm. Well, they are getting a benefit. <laughs> because it's better to give than receive. And yet, right, right. Uh, I know that during Lent, being like, sure, you can have the egg. I really want it. But no, um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's beautiful. It costs you a lot. Yeah, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially in, in, a com- in a communities and in eras when you can't just, you know, throw it in a freezer for a month. Right. right. Um, you got to eat this egg now. Somebody's got to eat it and you are choosing not to. There's, there's something really wonderful about all these, all these passages that there's no hint of nihilism or cynicism or, mm. and you know, like, especially as teachers too, there is that like, there is a, a, you know, friends who are teachers who are, you know, gotta go back and these lousy kids, rotten kids. You work, you work your, your whole, whole life. life. <laughs> yeah, but there's not a hint of that, or there's not the the you know there's like a, a meme cynicism of like adulthood is saying when things get a little easier next week that'll be better, and then you it never never until does. you die. Yeah, there's not a hint of that, and there's a joy in the in the labor. Well, there's there's no question that the work is worth it. 
like in any of these passages. Right. There's no question that the work, though you may not see the result, is still it's still worth it. This is interesting because the um, we'll start talking about some of these things on the, in future episodes of the podcast. But the theme for next year's vision conference is bearing fruit, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which Did you is do that on purpose. Yeah, which is like <laughs> an interesting challenge to make sure in a results oriented, yeah. potentially you know thematic area we don't mm. obsess too much about what your yield is going to be. So these passages are a good mm. it's a good challenge um, to take take your time to do what's right and you are going to have to make monumental efforts that could be very unpleasant for you and they could what is that Elliot line costing no not less than everything is mm. that right? Yeah, that was Davies' favorite line from four quartets um it i i'm referring to sheldon van auken's a severe mercy which you all should read uh (laughs) his wife davy that's her favorite line costing not less a condition of perfect simplicity costing a lot less than everything yeah that passage was of course recommended to me as something to be read for the conference and i was like every theme you could ever have is going to result in someone being like we shall not cease from exploration so i was like we got to save that elliot Mm -hmm. for another time um (laughs) So maybe it'll make an appearance at the next conference. Um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. This was thank this you, was Megan. fantastic. I really appreciate it. Um, it's so good to be back. It is. Hey, we're back. We're back, baby. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Thank you for visiting Constantinople. Constantinople is a podcast of the St. Constantine School. To learn more about St. Constantine Schools nationwide, St. Constantine College, and our annual vision conference in downtown Houston, please visit stconstantine.org.